Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week we'll talk about why you might create a blues bag and discuss a hack that relates to both reading and parenthood. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, it always makes me happier just talking to you. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, you know what makes me happier? Voting. Ah. Before we dig in to this week's episode, we want to remind everybody, uh, all our listeners here in the United States, that Election Day is coming up on Tuesday, November 6th. So remember to register to vote. You can go to www.usa.gov slash register to vote, and we will put all these links in the show notes because it's really important to figure out what you need to do and by when in order to be registered. Yeah, and Gretchen, it can be slightly different in every state, like Missouri and New York and California all have slightly different rules, so you want to check your state. Right. Those are all our home states, and they're all very different in what they require. And thinking about voting and registering to vote reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Winston Churchill. Because, you know, Elizabeth, when I was writing 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill, one of the great things was all these amazing quotations from Churchill. Yes. This is a speech that he gave in the House of Commons on uh, November 11th, 1947. And he said, many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. <laughs> uh, it's our way. It's the best way. But you got to vote. So yes. figure out what you need to do and uh, get ready to vote. Yeah. Love all those Churchill quotes, Scratch. Yeah. Keep them yeah. coming. <laughs> Now, listen, our Try This at Home strategy for this week is to create a blues bag. Yeah, and this idea came up briefly in our Montana episode 182 when Eliza came on to talk about what it was like to leave home for the first time to go to college. Yeah. And after the episode aired, a lot of our listeners wrote in to ask more about this blues bag. So we thought it deserved its own segment. Right. Its own Try This at Home. So the blues bag is an idea that I came up with when Eliza was getting ready to go to school last year. Uh, Eleanor and I did it in secret. Mm. And so really it served two people. It served Eleanor as, I think, a kind of transition and a way to say farewell and kind of think through Eliza's departure. And then it also was for Eliza during the stresses of her freshman year. So Eleanor and I, over the summer before Eliza left, we went around and we got fun things that we thought Eliza would like that would cheer her up if she was feeling blue. That's why it's a blues bag. Um, And then we wrapped them beautifully. And then when we we were all up there moving her in when she was a freshman. And so Eleanor gave her the bag and said, every time you feel blue, you can open a present. But don't use them up all all at once. But but these are for you so that you have these waiting for you if you need a little lift at a tough time. That is such a sweet idea. I love it. Yeah. It was really fun to do. We had a really fun time doing it. And a lot of listeners said, well, what kind of things did you put in the blues bag? So Eliza loves temporary tattoos. 
tattoos. So we got temporary mm. tattoos. Um, when I was in college, my roommate had this incredibly kind of fancy set of magic markers, which she guarded zealously. You were not allowed to take them out <laughs> of her presence. <laughs> so I didn't get those elaborate, but I got a really, really nice set of markers and a pad. I got her a fancy set of Uno cards, mm, scented stickers, uh, glow sticks. We tried to pick things when we could that would encourage her to share or engage with other people. Like, hey, do you want mm. a temporary tattoo? Or, hey, do you want to play Uno? <laughs> yeah. Because that's something that cheers you up, too, is like to have something fun to share with other people. But it was basically just like anything that was sort of fun and lighthearted that we thought would make her feel better if she was feeling blue. And so how often did she open them? Did she get through the whole bag? She did get through the whole bag, but I think at the end she opened a couple. I think she didn't need as many. I think we gave her 10. Uh, not because we set out to have 10, but that's just how many we figured out. And she really did dole them out. And I think they did cheer her up. But in the end, she didn't need as many as we thought she might. So the blues weren't as hard-hitting as she feared they might be. This would also be a great thing potentially for camp. You know, yes. when kid goes away to camp for the first time to give him a blues bag. I could see doing that for Jack when, in theory, he goes to camp someday. Well, and here's the thing about college, that I why this worked well for college, even better than it might work for camp for a reason that I did not anticipate. Eliza was really bad about picking up her mail and her packages. It's like she just could You would mm. think, oh, you'd be there to get your mail and your packages. But she didn't because it's pretty, it was pretty inconvenient for her. Mm. And so I think at camp, there's the whole ceremony of getting your daily mail. And so getting mail is really exciting because it's part of the uh, daily skip. But for her, true. if we had mailed these, it would have actually been quite a hassle for her. Mm. So that's something to think about, too. It's like yeah, mailing might make it more fun or less fun. Yeah, I love that. The blues bag. Yeah, and our listener uh, from Kansas City, our hometown, so it's always great, especially fun when we get a note from a listener in Kansas City. She had a great way to use this in a very different circumstance, but sort of for the same purposes. Yes. Um, this came from Jenny in Kansas City. She said... My father passed away suddenly this summer. My mother was his primary caregiver as he battled Parkinson's disease and all its complications, always with great love and without complaint. I am back at work and unable to see her as often as I would like. She is living alone for the first time. While the loss of dad has been very difficult for me, I can't imagine the impact on mom, her life and her daily routines. Thankfully, she has a great support system in her hometown, but I have still felt a bit helpless and anxious wanting to do more for her. In episode 182, I heard mention of the blues bag you created for Eliza when she left for college. The idea excited me and gave me an immediate sense of purpose and direction. I spent the day making lists, including some of mom's favorite things, fun activities, and honestly, anything that might make her smile. Then I spent a joyful day running around town to shop, writing little notes to attach, wrapping the gifts, and finally placing them in a blues bag. I am so excited to present this to her when I see her next, as well as to continue to add things to it. While I can't be there with her every day, I love knowing that she has a go-to when she needs a little mood boost. That is so lovely. That is such a lovely thing. And I think part of it is like, no, we don't want to just be drowning and stuff, but it is... It's so nice to have a concrete representation of your love, both yeah. to give and to get. And in a low moment that someone can say, this is a person who was thinking of me at this time and was really trying to help me. And just having something that you can unwrap that's like a yeah. physical thing, it like makes that tangible in a way that's very powerful. Yeah. I mean, we all have a childlike pleasure in opening a gift, even if it's just something small and silly. <laughs> there is just... 
a rush that comes from opening a gift. And it shows that you know someone, their likes and their dislikes, you know, they, when, yeah. when maybe they need to be reminded of their attachment in the world. It's like, mm -hmm. my child remembers that I love a lavender sachet, or Eliza thinks, oh, my family knows how much I love temporary tattoos. You feel like you're known and you're recognized and that people are like really thinking about you specifically. Yeah, and like you said, and Jenny said, it's as much for the giver as yes. the receiver because the giver gets to feel like they're doing something yes. for the person they love. Yes, it was just as important for Eleanor and for me, really, just as important for me as it was for Eliza because it is, it's yeah. about that giving and receiving. So let us know if you do try this at home and how making a blues bag works for you. And maybe what you put in it, too, because a lot of yeah. people were very interested in ideas for things that would be suitable for blues bags. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 186 for everything related to this episode, episode 186. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack that's a different take on a book club. But first, this break. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Now, Elizabeth, you and I both love this happiness hack because it's related to reading, which is one of our great passions in life. This is a new way to think about reading um, that was such a great idea. Yes, it comes from our listener, Kelly. She said, whenever my kids are reading a novel for school, I also take out the novel from the library and read it at the same time. It's like a mini book club with your kid. We can have discussions sharing our thoughts and feelings, our predictions, and I'm able to help on the more elaborate questions that the teacher asks. It also gives me the opportunity to read a book I may not have necessarily chosen to read. It's a win-win situation. <laughs> I've had the pleasure of reading The Hunger Games, The Giver, The Outsiders, and many more. Well, what a fantastic idea. That's a great idea for all the reasons that she lists. It's reading a book that you might not otherwise have read, forming a connection with another person. And I think kids are excited when their parents are interested in what they're doing. Yeah. And so the fact that like, oh, I'm going to read what you're reading for school, it, like it shows a real commitment of interest to what your child is doing. Yeah, and people are always saying, how can I read more? What's nice is there are also deadlines with this yeah. because it's no doubt an assignment. And you have yeah. to read a certain amount, you know, every week. So it just helps you actually get a book read. Now, it might be that some of these books are really adult books, but often they're children's books or YA books. And of course, like I'm a huge fan of children's literature and YA literature and think that it's a lot of adults could get tremendous pleasure from reading these books. 
So I love all the books she mentions, The Hunger Games, The Giver, The Outsiders. They're all great for adults or kids. Um, and if anybody wants to get my list of my 81 all-time favorite children's and young adult books, uh, just email me and I will send you that list because this is another way to turn people on to KidLit, and I'm always in favor of that. Yes, and as they get older, I mean, it'll be Jane Austen and yeah. Shakespeare and all sorts of things. The Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. And now for a deep dive. Back to the issue that we spoke about in episode 184. Um, in that episode, we spent the whole time talking about this idea of hashtag happier Labor Day. Um, using the United States annual holiday of Labor Day, or whatever would be appropriate in the country that you live in, as a prompt to take a day to think about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative in our work lives. Yeah, and Gretchen, we got so many amazing observations and suggestions (laughs) about hashtag happier (laughs) Labor Day that we needed to return to the topic and share more. Yeah. Now, one thing that many listeners mentioned, and Elizabeth, this is something that you and I think about constantly, is creativity. Yeah. What are ways that we can foster creativity in the upcoming year? Yeah. And one thing that you and I talked about, Gretchen, is that creativity is more fostered by pouring it out, not by doling it out teaspoon by teaspoon. (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of counterintuitive because you would think, oh, I might run out of ideas, so I should pace myself. But you and I have found that no, creativity doesn't work that way. Yeah, and this comes up in the writer's room all the time. Like, mm. if we think of a great beat for the fix, yeah, we go, oh, let's hold that back. Let's not use it until episode eight or nine, like down the season. You know, let's save it. And then we force ourselves to go, no, let's use it now. Because yeah. let's assume that if we thought of a great scene, yeah. we'll think of another great <laughs> scene. Let's not hold our great scenes. Yeah. We want every episode to be fantastic and to have the great scenes. And then let's just have faith that another great scene will come to us. Now, this can be hard because, for instance, um, the scene I'm thinking of in The Fix, it was sort of a game changer. So it was like, once we do this, we can't undo it. But we're like, okay, let's just take the leap and go. And I'm so glad we did. Yeah, to be relentlessly entertaining, you have to just like be pouring it out all the time. And I, for me also, uh, for creativity, is letting myself take time to play. I can get mm. very kind of focused on my to-do list and being like productive with a capital P. And I find that I'm actually more productive in the long run and more creative and have more ideas when I really do let myself play. So I might let myself read books that really have nothing to do with anything that I'm writing about. I just sort of like Mm. get some kind of bizarre interest. And most recently, I had kind of a hooky book um, (laughs) that I was doing. And I just got super fascinated and energized by the idea of outer order contributing to inner calm, which is something we talk Mm -hmm. about all the time. And just kind of on impulse, I started pulling together all these ideas about outer order. And eventually, turned into my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. It just, it was something I was working on as sort of a playful side project, but then it actually (laughs) turned into a real project. And so I think, you know, working can be one of the most dangerous forms of procrastination. And it can also be something that can get in the way of like, creative pursuits. You want to take time. I always remind myself to take time to play. But Gretchen, only you would have, would write a new book as a form of playing hooky. I know. So you. 
I know. It really, it is, but that's the thing. That's what, it's like, what would you do with more free time? I would write more books. And that's <laughs> what I did. And then I, I love this line from Carl Jung, who wrote in Psychological Types, the creative mind plays with the objects it loves. And it mm. is this idea of just being playful with things. And then creativity comes from that. And Gretchen, our listener Isaac has a great idea for Happier Labor Day, uh, which he credits to Dan Pink's excellent book, A Whole New Mind. Isaac writes, this exercise helps you overcome mental roadblocks and identify ways to make your life more fulfilling in the coming year. One, list out things that would make your life more fulfilling, followed by a reason why it isn't happening. Phrase this in the form of blank, but blank. Example, I'd like to spend more time outdoors, but I have an office job and my evenings are spent at home with my family. Now change the phrase to blank and blank, followed by so blank, with the so statement explaining how you can address the problem given the circumstances of the and statement. When possible, create multiple statements with solutions for each of the items in step one. Here's the example. I'd like to spend more time outdoors and I have an office job and my evenings are spent at home with my family, so I will start eating my lunch outdoors at a nearby park. I'd like to spend more time outdoors and I have an office job and my evenings are spent at home with my family, so I will suggest going for a walk with my wife and kids after dinner. Well, this is a great idea. Yeah, I think this is great because this is another way to do what we talk about all the time, which is to identify the problem. Yes. And the, the fact is you think, well, I have a problem. Obviously, I'm going to know what the problem is. But it's weirdly difficult sometimes, weirdly challenging to actually get yourself to sit down and identify a problem in a way that suggests a solution. And I think this is a great exercise because the way that it's set up, the way you set up the blanks that you're filling in, you're forced to generate solutions. And both of these solutions seem fairly obvious, but you can also imagine that a person wouldn't have thought of them. They would just be like, oh, yes. this is my life. I have no time to go out. They would just kind of be resigned to it unless they take that extra step of thinking through what possible solutions might be. So I thought this was a very elegant solution. Yeah. Can I give an example, Gretch? Oh, I yeah. just thought of for yes. me. Because people have been writing into me about a problem I've been having. So I'll ah. present it here. So I could say, I want to use my treadmill desk at work, but I don't like the hassle of putting on tennis shoes during the day. Yeah. Because I'm wearing professional shoes now. Instead, I'm going to say, I want to use the treadmill at work and I don't like the hassle of putting on sneakers. So I'm going to bring a pair of slip-on sneakers to work. <laughs> I love it because so many listeners emailed in and they were like, Elizabeth, Keep a pair of sneakers on your treadmill desk. Make no, them but, but the key is slip-ons, that they're slip-ons, which I had never even, this was a revelation to me. And mom yeah. has these slip-ons. Yeah. She had them in Montana. She did. And it didn't even occur to me, oh, I could use those at work. But now, yes, like 20 people have emailed about <laughs> slip-on sneakers. So this weekend, I have said to Adam on Sunday, I want to go to the mall and get slip-on sneakers. Perfect example. 
And I will be happier in my labors if yes, I have this. Yeah, if you solve the treadmill dust problem, that will be a major happiness boost for you yes. in your work life. That is something that has been kind of like nagging at you Plaguing for me. Yeah, so yes. thank you, listeners. But again, it's not rocket science, but no. you have to think of it. And then once you think of it and you're like, okay, I just leave these by my treadmill all the time and I just slip them on when I need them, it's like problem solved. Okay, thank you, Isaac, for that. Um, our listener, Mallory, has a great example of how thinking about happier Labor Day can guide your choices to help you make the choices that are going to lead to more happiness. Yeah, Mallory says, happier Labor Day could not have come at a better time for me. Even though I'm an elementary school teacher, I teach summer school and tutor on the side. For the past few years, I've done both. And although the money is nice, I noticed that last year I took on way more tutoring clients than I should have. For this school year, I am limiting myself to tutoring only two nights a week and forwarding clients to colleagues who are looking to develop their side hustle. For this happier Labor Day, I'm recognizing that my time and quality of life is more important and I should cherish it. Well, this is an example of how like you can have change creep up on you and mm. all of a sudden you're like, wow, I have way more outside clients than I want. And so it's good to have that opportunity to check yourself and think like, is this where I want it to be to achieve my aims? People keep wanting to hire you. It's easy to say yes. You kind of need that moment to step back and say, okay, how do I want my time and my efforts to be spent to have the yeah. happiest Labor Day that I can? Is this serving me or has it become my master? Right, right. Now, a big element that many people uh, raised was health issues at work because work yes. is such a big part of our lives. We really need to try to incorporate healthy habits into our work days because um, if you're not healthy at work, it's very hard to be healthy because it is just such a big part of life. Yes. And of course, Gretchen, we've talked about having a treadmill desk yes. um, once again, yeah. um, which can help you be happy at work. And our listener, Megan, had several ideas about ways to be healthier at work. She said, in preparation for your hashtag happier Labor Day challenge, I've done some reflecting on my current job at PETA, a nonprofit and the largest animal rights organization in the world. I absolutely love what I do, but my particular position requires me to spend most of my day at a computer, which can take its toll on my health and therefore my happiness. I've decided to make a list of little things I can keep at my desk that will either bring me joy throughout the day or make sitting at my desk a little less uncomfortable, like plants, pictures of my family, an extra coffee mug for when I forget one, and a mini fan. Unlike most offices, it gets very warm in mine. I also hope to invest in or DIY my own standing desk converter so I'm not seated all day. So that's a great example of how you can step back and say, like, what are the little tweaks that I could make that would just make every day more comfortable and more healthy for me? You know, again, it's yes. not rocket science. They're not big things. But you, it's very helpful to say, like, OK, let me just take a few minutes and think through what are the changes that I could make that over time would boost my happiness at work? And I love the idea of the DIY standing desk. Yes. So health at work, on the one hand, there's the exercise part, but another big element is the food part. And many yes. people find that their efforts to eat more healthfully are influenced for good or for bad by their work situation. Alyssa, this is something that you and I have talked about many, many times. Things like free food um, yes. it just makes it very, very hard to eat healthier. Yeah. And what I try to do, Gretchen, is just be very strict at work. Like I don't eat any chips or crackers or things that I unfortunately do eat at home. Um, mm -hmm. I need to work on that area. 
but I am just very strict about what I will consume at work. And I tell everybody this mm -hmm. so that the obliger in me feels like, well, now I have this accountability group looking at me so I can't you know, bring a bag of chips into the room and eat it. Yeah, well, you know, and I think that's a great example of like, for you as an obliger, kind of making that announcement helps you. There are some people where if they told everybody that, that would kind of either bring resistance to them or they would feel mm. like maybe it lost its magic. It's not always the right choice for somebody to announce something like that, but you know yourself and you know that that really helps you. If you walk in the first day and you're like, hey guys, I'm just here to say, all that stuff that's in the kitchen, I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. And one thing that Sarah and I have done in our office, and some offices this would work in, some wouldn't. It depends on your office. But our floor has two kitchens. Mm -hmm. So we said, okay, this kitchen that's by the writer's room, this is the kitchen that doesn't have junk food in it, oh. period. So not only is it in, it's not hidden behind cabinets. It's not hidden in drawers. It's just not in there. Ah. We sort of said what can be in this kitchen, which is basically like, apples, bananas, some kinds of protein bars and like nuts and that's it and coffee and beverages. Right. And then the other kitchen that's way down the hall ah. that has chips. I'd have never gone in the, the kitchen, honestly, Gretch. I don't know what they have, but I imagine it's all the horrible stuff that like every Hollywood kitchen has. Yeah. Um, and so it is just makes life so much more pleasant that we don't have to go in and see this food constantly. Right. And to be resisting it. Now, and what you've talked about is something that I wrote about in Better Than Before, my book about habit change, which is something I think is super powerful, which is bright lines. Like, mm. I don't use that kitchen. I use this kitchen. So it's never mm -hmm. like, which kitchen should I go to? Or, yeah. or which kitchen's more convenient? Or today I feel like going to this kitchen. Or I think I deserve to go in that kitchen. Or my favorite thing, I'm just going to go look around. I'm not going to eat yeah. anything. I'm just going to, like, open the cabinets and see what's here. It's like, okay, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yes. That's the planning to fail loophole, also speaking of better than before. But so here's a very bright line. And then it's also... Everybody who's using the kitchen you're using is committed to keeping it that way. Yes. And then the other people don't feel like they've been somehow constrained or, you know, that it's not fair because they have their right. kitchen. Yeah. Yes. Another yes. thing that can really work is don't use the vending machines. Mm. You're not going to get much good stuff out of a vending machine for the most part. Yeah. And so if you just say like, hey, you know what? I never use the vending machines. Then you're not standing there in front of the vending machines debating or thinking, should I go to the vending machine? You're just like, I don't go to the vending machines. One thing a lot of people have is they have the rule that they don't eat anything for free at work. So like maybe they would buy their lunch, but if, if there's mm. something for free, like, oh, we brought in donuts or, oh, the office supplies chocolate covered peanuts. They don't eat that. They either bring it from home or they um, pay for it. And that's that's a bright line. That's a good one because most free food is it does tend to be like treats. Yes. So. That's a good bright line. Yeah. Now, one thing that I talk about a lot in my upcoming book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, is about how to create more order in your workspace. Because I think for many people, the orderliness of their workspace is not really related to the orderliness of their home space. Like, mm. you can be neat in both, messy in both, or neat in one and messy in the other. And again, you spend a lot of time at work, and if it's sort of draining you or it's taking time because you're looking for stuff or it's bugging you, it really is worth taking that time. I mean, I've talked about how I spend 10 minutes at the end of every day tidying up, 
Um, I did a big purge. I got rid of so much stuff in my office, which I actually thought was quite streamlined. But Eleanor helped me. And, oh, my gosh, she was mm. relentless. It just mm-hmm. feels so good. And a lot of times in offices, people are really cramped and crowded. Yeah. And I look in offices and I'm like, you've got a lot more room than you think if you would just get the junk out of here. Right. So part is if you feel like you'd like more space, try clearing clutter and you might find that you have a lot more space once you've just moved things around and got rid of things that you're not using. Yeah, this must be why some offices have the new policy of like you just grab a desk for the day. Uh, it probably does hoteling. a lot to... Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, hoteling. Uh, people don't like that, I don't think, because it's like you want your space, um, but it definitely cuts down on out order. If you have to like bring yes. all those tchotchkes from home yeah. every day and set yeah. them up in your desk, yeah. <laughs> now, Gretchen, on the subject of work, our listener Mary made a really important point um, that we all have work, even if we're retired or a stay-at-home parent. Um, she said... I am retired, but Labor Day remains a milepost in my year. As a mom and now retired school librarian, the academic calendar ruled my schedule for most of my life. Labor Day is when I take stock of my ongoing commitments and the many opportunities available to me and decide which ones I will participate in for this year. There may be jobs that I'm ready to pass along to someone else and projects around the house that need to be tended to or family or friends that may need more support in the coming months, trips to plan, etc., that need to be added to my schedule. I also try to think of something that is new and fun to add to my days. Last year, we got a new puppy and I learned to play the ukulele. This year, I may learn a new language. Well, I mean, this is absolutely, I think, the ideal way to use Labor Day as a catalyst. I mean, Mary's retired, but she still uses Labor Day to think about where's my time and my energy going? How do I want to make changes that are going to make me happier? What do I want to add? What do I want to subtract? I think this is exactly why having a day when that you set aside for this kind of reflection can really pay off because you can see how year to year you might not make the changes that overall would make you happier, whereas clearly Mary's being very purposeful in the choices that mm-hmm. she's making. Yeah. Yes. So a happier Labor Day, even if you don't have a quote unquote job, yes. is still very relevant to think about. Yes. Now, Gretchen, back to an issue we discussed in the earlier episode about switching careers, because this is something that came up over and over again. Yes, this is a major challenge for happier Labor Day. Yes. And it made us think of a great hack from our dad, who's yeah. full of great advice. Right. Now, what he points out is that we are so resistant to change. We're so reluctant to make a change or even think about a change that if you've had the thought, huh, I wonder if I should make a change, you probably should have made that change a long time ago. Um, mm. It's painful to think about change, but it's so important. And so if you're having the conscious thought of change, it's a really important clue. And if you want to mm-hmm. be happier in your labor, you have to think about those choices. And sometimes it can be painful, but change can be great even though it's challenging. Absolutely. So thanks, Dad, and thanks, listeners, for all your thoughts and observations for Happier Labor Day. Yes, I hope everybody had a happier Labor Day. Yes, yes, me too. Coming up, Gretchen's got a color-related gold star. But first, this break. So listen, it's time for Demerits and Gold Stars, and this is an even-numbered episode, episode 186, so that means it's your turn for a demerit. 
Yes, and Gretchen, I have already mentioned my demerit on this <laughs> podcast, so I will mention it again. And I have given myself this demerit before, so this is just like all over my mind. Yeah. Um, which is the fact that I am not using my treadmill desk at work. Yeah. So we mentioned the shoes, which is major. I really think getting these slip-on sneakers is going to be a game changer for the yeah. treadmill desk. Yeah. But I identified another problem Good. with Sarah um, that we're going to hopefully address today, yeah. which is that we have our treadmill desks oriented in the wrong direction. So. Uh. We had had them oriented the way we had in our other office where they're facing like a bunch of whiteboards and we would walk on the treadmills and break story. But what we're finding is that every single time we're in our office, which is a lot of the day, we're sitting, talking to people and having meetings on sort of a couch and chairs that we have. And right now the treadmill desks are oriented in a different direction. So ah. if you're on them, you can't be talking to the people who are on the couches. Ah. So what we've realized is we need to have them moved and it's a little more of an awkward position for the room, but we just have to say, who cares what it looks like? This is what's gonna be more convenient for talking. Yeah. And we're gonna try to have that done today. And Excellent. then we, we both think we will be much more inclined to get on the treadmill because we'll be able to have conversation with people um, who are in our office. So. I will let you know how that goes. Yes, I hope to give you a gold star when, with your slip-on sneakers and the reorientation yes. of your treadmill desk, you're back on. That'd yes, be a huge happiness it. boost for you. Okay, I we're need gonna, to get back on. We will return for that. We are rooting for you to earn your gold star for that. <laughs> Thank you. And Gretch, speaking of gold stars, what is your gold star this week? Now. Mine is for something called Color Factory. And first of all, I want to mm. also give a gold star to all the listeners who emailed me the links to Color Factory because they know that I'm obsessed with color, which I am. And they wanted to make sure that I knew that this traveling exhibition was coming to New York. It had, I think it had been last in San Francisco because it sells out quickly. And so people were like, oh, I want you to know about this so you can get your ticket. Mm. Well, I was on it. I got a ticket. Eleanor and I went. And um, Color Factory is this experience where you're just thinking about and exposed to color in lots of different ways and it was very varied there were a lot of tastes involved too which was interesting to me um i was just as interested in how they set it up the actual experience of going through it but like there was a ball pit that we ran through uh there were balloons floating there was a disco floor it was really really a playful playful way to engage with color and so um mm. I would have thought, like, how could you engage physically with color for a traveling exhibition? And so it was great. So thanks for listeners who made sure that I didn't miss it because I would have been really sad to have read about it later and realized that I hadn't been able to go myself because I was so curious. Um, if you have a chance to go, I really encourage it. So that's my gold star. Color Factory. And it goes around the country, so it'll be in different cities? I don't actually know what the traveling plans are, but if you have a chance to go, you should go. Okay, great. Color Factory. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Create a blues bag. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you and what you put in your blues bag. Thank you to our producer, Cameron Drews. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important to us. This is how people hear about the show. It's word of mouth. It's the most powerful. And you can also subscribe to us however you get your podcasts. 
Uh, the resources for this week. I have redone my quiz for the four tendencies. It looks so much better. It's shorter, but you will still get the same great information about whether you're an upholder, a questioner, obliger, or rebel. So you can take that at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. And if you love great quotations as much as I do, um, you can sign up for my Moment of Happiness, which is a free newsletter. I send it out every day, and it always has a great quotation about happiness or human nature. So just email me at podcast.gretchenrubin.com. You can write quotation or you can write Moment of Happiness in the subject line, and I will put you on the list. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward.